time for another edition of Jonesing for Football. Yes, this is not just Jonesing for Football. This is the Cody Winstead Show. It's the Cody Winstead Combine Preview Show as young Cody in his, that's not Kelly Green, but it's Philadelphia Green. He has gotten over the 2023 season. He's fast forwarding to 2024 in the Jonesing for Football Studios with his Emmy Award. And what else is behind you? That is still Patrick Mahomes or is it still Patrick Mahomes behind you there? Yeah, let me go through the background real quick. We got a Dallas Cowboys helmet here signed by Darren Woodson, legendary safety. We got Patrick Should be Mahomes. in the Hall of Fame. Should be, yep. Patrick Mahomes, bobblehead. He's already in the Hall of Fame. An authentic Ohio State football. We got that here. Jonesing for football sign, which you always point out. And then that Emmy that no one really talks about or cares about. But uh, that's back there, too. That's an authentic football? Ohio State football? Was it used? That means it was used in a game? It was not you, but it could be. I mean, it's it's ready to go for a game if if we need to. <laughs> Very good. And I just got back from Surprise, Arizona. You know what? I've been rubbing elbows the last few days with the world champion Texas Rangers, young Cody. When was the last time you rubbed elbows with a world champion? Well, the Eagles won the Super Bowl five years ago, and I was here in town for that. So that would be it. The Phillies almost won the World Series a couple of years ago. Would have rubbed elbows with them, but... That's pretty uh, exclusive company you're hanging out with, Dr. Jones. Well, I've been on the baseball beat, and now it's full throttle ahead for NFL draft preview stuff in my big green NFL draft scouting notebook, which I have at the ready right here. There's nothing in it yet, and you know why there's nothing in it? Because my draft starts with the combine, and the combine starts right now in Indianapolis, Indiana. Right, young Cody? And you will be there. I will be there covering it for NFL Network seven days. I cannot wait. It's my second favorite event of the season to cover besides Ohio State Pro Day, but I love the combine because I get to hang out uh, amongst the players a little bit, get to see sizes and who's big and who's doing what, and then obviously the workouts on the field. I get to watch that as well, so I am fired up. And this is always like the big picture time when the whole country jumps in on draft time. See, I, I know you've been looking at a little bit of stuff, researching some players. I've been doing that for the past few weeks, a month or so. But this is when everybody jumps in. And for the next about six weeks, two months, then uh, it's all draft all the time. Yep. And uh, so what do you want to go to right off the bat here as we preview the Combine? Well, Mr. Jones, I figured today we would start with the quarterbacks. This is our, uh, we're going to dive into it. We know that the quarterbacks are going to get most of the headlines this week. And so we would start with the consensus number one QB, and that is Caleb Williams. We'll break down his game. How does he stack up against Drake May? Yes, sir. Okay. So Drake May would be another one. How many quarterbacks could go in the top 10 of this draft, you think? It uh, looks like about four, potentially, three or four, potentially. Um, I broke down the top six already, though I think those are like the first round possibilities, but it looks like three or four in the top 10. So we're going to start and kind of focus around Caleb and then what the Bears should do with that top pick. Mr. Jones, I wanted you to start out with some background info on Caleb for us here because you know him really well. He started his uh, collegiate career at the University of Oklahoma. He 
was actually not a starter right off the bat. Spencer Rattler was the starting quarterback when he uh, was a freshman, true freshman at OU. And then Spencer Rattler ran into some difficulties in the Texas game. Caleb came off the bench, and Caleb had played in some games leading up to that. But that is where he really made his national mark. He came off the bench uh, in that game, and he went – I can't remember the yardage on it, but 60 yards for a touchdown, a run of 60 yards. That's the the signature play from that game. And, of course, the rest, as they say, is history. As Lincoln Riley then bolted for USC. Caleb Williams followed him to USC. Caleb Williams wins the Heisman uh, in the 2022 season. And then last year was a disappointing season for the USC team. And Caleb Williams, as expected, declared for the uh, draft. But... You know what? I know. Let's pull back the curtain here just a little bit, because as we were getting set up for this award-winning, Emmy award-winning presentation of Jonesing for Football, I found out a little something about Cody's preparation for the Combine. I overheard him in his studio there listening to Daniel Jeremiah, the guru from the NFL Network, who does like a two-hour media availability conference call where media members from that cover college teams, NFL teams, quiz him for like two hours on these draft prospects. And you happen to be, you were looking off his paper. You were cheating for the test here, young Cody, as you were listening to Daniel Jeremiah. I'm just using all the uh, assets available to me, Bill Jones. And so we figured that it was actually smart to let you guys hear his thoughts on Caleb before we continue and give our thoughts on Caleb. So here's Daniel Jeremiah and his thoughts on Caleb Williams. We're just looking at just pure talent. You can put him up there uh, with really any of the guys we've had, um, just in terms of, you know, arm strength, athleticism, the creativity that he has, the playmaking ability that he has. Now, he's not as he's clean or as polished as some guys we've had over the last few years. Obviously, Stroud um, was kind of ready-made and just came out there and, and hit the ground running. I think there's still, you know, some more growth and some cleaning up to do with Caleb's game. Um, but talent-wise, it's it's pretty special. And you can see what kind of producer young Cody was when he worked at uh, CBS 11 in Dallas and TXA 21. He could come up with a sound bite whenever requested, and he still does that at his old age now. You know, while you're listening to Daniel Jeremiah, you know what I've been doing the last week or so? I've been doing a story, and this is the type five-star prospects we're looking for in the big green NFL draft scouting notebook. If you watched the baseball pennant race last year in the World Series, there was a young call-up from Jason Witten's hometown, Elizabethton, Tennessee. 21-year-old Evan Carter, who was called up to the big leagues by the Texas Rangers, and I've been putting a monster piece story together on Evan Carter. Just a little sampling okay, here. Here we go. Evan Carter coming at you in three, two... <laughs> On September 6th last year, the Rangers' playoff hopes were circling the drain, having fallen to third place in the division after being swept three games by the Astros by a combined score of 39-10. to 10. That's when, out of desperation, General Manager Chris Young called up 21-year-old Evan Carter from the minor leagues. There you go. There you go. That's what I've been working on. That's why Young Cody is the expert here on this Combine Review. I'll start with my big takeaways from watching games, 
doing a lot of reading, and then I'm going big picture, and then I'll kind of get into the nitty-gritty here at the end. Here we go. USC's offense was based entirely around him and his skills, which is kind of cool. A lot of modern-day triple option from USC, which is that zone read with the running back being option number one, that receiver attachment out into the flat being number two, and then the quarterback either running or throwing being number three. And Caleb is really good at reading and reacting. USC finished third in the country in scoring offense each of the last two seasons with him at quarterback, 41 points per game. I'll begin with his throwing ability, and the most important thing for him is the accuracy. Just 10 interceptions the last two seasons combined in almost 900 pass attempts. Terrific placement on his passes. Even with different types of throws and angles, it's really interesting to watch, especially I noticed on these swing passes, tunnel screens, smoke screens, really good placement there to lead his receivers going in the right direction. He's very comfortable in the pocket. You know that. Nice feet, super calm, rarely panicked. And he's a great reader of defenses. In every game I watched, he would consistently get to his second, third, fourth options in the progression. So all good stuff there. When escaping and running, I wouldn't say he's fast or crazy quick, but I would say elusive and slippery. He can get to the corner, but he's not going to consistently outrun defenders like Jaden Daniels. He's definitely not looking to run, but will if the option is available to him. My concerns, struggled when teams mixed up defenses against him. They bring the heat sometimes, they spy him, they force him to get rid of the ball quickly, man versus zone. Stuff that not only bothers young quarterbacks, but honestly bothers all good quarterbacks. And he was bad against Notre Dame. One touchdown, three picks, sacked six times. Notre Dame's defensive coordinator, Al Golden, said they were using the same defense against Caleb Williams that when he was in the NFL, they used against Patrick Mahomes. So that shows you some high-level stuff is needed to slow down Caleb. And finally, it's a very quarterback-friendly offense that he was in at USC. It's kind of, like I said, tailored to his skill set. But it also put a lot of pressure on him because he has to make more decisions than most quarterbacks. On a high percentage of downs, they're running that triple option, which is he has to read the defensive end, then figure out whether or not to hand it off to the running back. If he does not, then he's got to read the defense again and then figure out if he's got to drop it off to that receiver underneath. If he does not, then he's got to read the defense again and figure out whether he's running or looking for a receiver downfield. So it's not a lot of just straight dropbacks, read the defense and throw it. He's having to make a lot of decisions, and I think that's notable and should be mentioned. And the last thing is, I think he can do the straight drop back thing. Like I said, didn't really do it at USC, but we'll see. Um, I think he'll be able to do that in the NFL on the next level. One thing I should point out, uh, I mentioned that in about Caleb when he was at Oklahoma and his first time he really got some uh, impactful playing time was in the Texas game uh, his freshman year. And I had forgotten this part of it. I just looked it up. Oklahoma was actually down 35-17 to 17 before Williams replaced Spencer Rattler at quarterback, and he brought the Sooners back to a 55-48 to 48 win, uh, which reminds me also that the other thing about Caleb Williams throughout his collegiate career, because he played for Lincoln Riley, he basically had to score touchdowns 
on every single possession because Lincoln Riley's teams have the worst defense in college football history, uh, first at Oklahoma and then at USC. Yep, I actually have a couple stats to back that up. I won't lie to you, I stole these from Daniel Jeremiah's uh, conference call. Caleb lost eight games at USC. The average amount of points his defense gave up in those games was 43 points. So to your point right there, Bill Jones, even a decent defense, Caleb would have been maybe undefeated uh, both seasons. Who knows? You hesitate saying Mahomes, but some of the arm angle, different type, uh, the uh, creativity that he has uh, reminds you a little bit of of Mahomes and what he's able to do. That's one of the things you like him. The stage is not too big for him from the word go. He has been – trained to be an NFL quarterback probably for the last 10 years at least yeah. uh, since he was a kid growing up in Washington, D.C. What's going to, really going to be interesting now is who get, winds up with that number one pick and whether the Bears deal it, uh, deal Justin Fields and keep the pick. And uh, I'm sure Washington has their eyes on moving up one spot and bringing him back to his hometown too. Yeah, it would be interesting to see who makes the Bears offers for that top pick. And obviously Washington seems like the logical one. If it's not going to be Chicago, then the commanders. And we should know. We should. We should know what the Bears are going to do at, by the start of free agent. I think they'll make a decision on Justin Fields uh, by the start of free agency because other teams also have to make a decision. Okay, what are we going to do here at our quarterback position? Any prospective teams that they would make a deal with? I looked it up. Um, last year, the Bears traded the Panthers, the number one pick, on March 10th. There you go. So that shows you, what are we, two weeks away or so from... Right, right from, before the start of the new year. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, Bill Jones, do you think the Bears should keep the number one pick, or would you trade it for a bunch of picks like they did last year and go with Justin Fields? I'll be honest, I haven't watched enough Justin Fields. You have, obviously, because he's an Ohio State guy. To make a judgment on that, I will just say from and, and this is a this is a statement on Caleb Williams. I think Caleb Williams is going to be successful in the NFL, and I base it more on how many more years or how much time is there left before Justin Fields gets forty to fifty million dollars a year as your franchise quarterback, and then how many years is it? before Caleb Williams makes 40 to $50 million a year. There's a larger window of economical price on the quarterback if you draft Caleb Williams, even though it is a steep price for the number one overall pick in the draft. It does, I mean, $40 million over four years is a fourth of what you're going to be paying for a starting quarterback, uh, you know, when Justin Fields reaches free agency, assuming Justin Fields becomes that type of quarterback. Yeah, Re- I would go with Caleb because of the econ- the economics of it. Yeah, restarting that rookie contract window is a huge, huge part of it. Uh, I'll give you my take. You know I love Fields. Yes, he does have flaws. 10 and 28 in his career. Last year had 20 total touchdowns, nine picks, and a passer rating of 86 in 13 games. So his consistency is definitely not where it should be considering he's about to enter his fourth NFL season. But those wild plays, Bill Jones, are so special. And so I do understand why there are some Bears fans who think Fields should be the guy going forward. And I understand why there are teams that do want to trade him. But I'm on your side. I think 
restarting that rookie contract window with Caleb is the smart way to go. You can trade fields probably for something like a second or third round pick. And that would give them Chicago, the number one pick, which would be Caleb. We know that the number nine pick, which would be an offensive lineman like Joe Walt or Talisi Fuaga, or you could go receiver and go Roma Dunze or Malik Neighbors. And then you'll have that second rounder for fields. And then that could be an O-line or a defensive player right there. So you can get three easy starters, even if you stick with Caleb. So uh, I'm with you. I think the Bears should move on from fields and just hope that Caleb is the guy. And I think one of the big factors on that is you still have your first round pick at number nine, right? And Correct. So, so you've already got, in essence, kind of sort of made a trade to get a an extra player first round pick. Now they weigh it against, okay, what if, what's the trade value for the number one pick? What's Caleb Williams trade value right now? What could you get back for that? Uh, and so it is an interesting dilemma that they have there. I would, oh, maybe it's not a dilemma. It's a good position to be in, I think. Something else to know, the Bears also have $70 million under the cap. So they have the fourth most cap space as well. So um, there's another reason where you can go keep Caleb and you can add players in free agency instead of just having to get a haul of draft picks. And, and in contrast to teams like the Carolina Panthers uh, who – don't have a team around them. They're in position where they can go get some veteran players and put a really good team around Caleb Williams coming in, uh, which is imperative for a rookie to have some success. Yep. Hey, one thing I want to mention before we get out of here, Bill Jones, is Caleb versus Drake May and Jaden Daniels. Because I think these guys are the top tier, but is Caleb on his own tier? I think that's what uh, we will find out over the next month or couple of months. I would say I like all three guys. Uh, I, I've watched games on all of them. Caleb is my clear number one. Right now, I'd put Jaden Daniels at number two, Drake May at number three, although I could flip them. Uh, what I will say about Williams and Daniels, what they were asked to do were very similar. They were their offenses in college. Both had to be magicians against good opponents. And a lot of times... They were, and we're talking like David Copperfield, David Blaine type stuff here. Some amazing games from those guys. The other area that they're similar, Bill Jones, is they protect the ball. And this is very important as well. Caleb had 42 touchdown passes last season, five picks. Daniels had 40 touchdown passes, four picks. So ultra careful with the ball. And C.J. Stroud proved this year, as a rookie, that it is very possible to be efficient and protect the ball. And when you do that, you win games. You go to the playoffs. Dak Prescott proved it his rookie year. There Dak you go. Prescott only threw four picks, I think 23 touchdown passes his rookie season as a fourth-round draft pick coming in and a team that won 13 games and won the division. There you go. As for Drake May, his offense at UNC was completely different. Much more traditional, very much run-based offense with Amarion Hampton rushing for 1,500 yards. This year, and then Drake May, he would play action and be able to do boots and rolls and all that stuff. So three different guys, three different playing styles. I think all three worthy of top three picks. But it'll be fun to see who ends up with who and which weapons and coordinators and offensive styles uh, when it's all said and done. 
have you been able to uh, look at interviews that the players have done to determine uh, which one has that assuredness about him, leadership quality about him, uh, charisma, personality that uh, seems inherent in quarterbacks who are very successful in this league? I have not, but that's what I'll plan on doing either this week at, at the Combine or soon after once those interviews all come out. And obviously that's a, a major part of it, but you're right. Those are as important as the workouts at the Combine is all the interviews with the teams. Um, you can't overstate that. You know, Jaden Daniels was here uh, to accept the Davy O'Brien Award, which is given out in Fort Worth every year. And I saw an interview with him, and I was impressed with him uh, as a sort of a maturity about him. And you can tell he's a, he's smart, uh, and so he has he, he checks some boxes there uh, as far as uh, leadership goes. I think. Yep. Uh, one more thing, Bill Jones, Caleb at the combine. This is important. Things you want to see this week in Indy. Number one is his size. He's listed at 6'1", 215 at USC. Is he really 6'1"? Is he six foot? Is he less? I'll say this. I was around Bryce Young last year at the Combine, and he measured 5'10 and an eighth, 204. And to this day, I have no idea how that dude weighed 204 because <laughs> he looked super small then, and he looked super small with the Panthers this season. So I'll be watching Caleb's measurements really closely. The other thing is I want to see him throw. CJ showed last year, go out and put on a show. We want to see the arm strength. We want to see the mobility. Caleb has all the skills, all the talent, and everyone knows that. And so there was a time when, when these top players didn't want to participate in the workouts. Go out and show it, man. You know, uh, another thing about Caleb uh, that I think is – a checks a box, you know, when he left Oklahoma, all right, he waited until the transfer portal opened again after the bowl games. And he went ahead, even though his coach had left and it was obvious he was going to follow Lincoln Riley to USC. Now, maybe he did this because he was playing the game, the recruiting game. And, and now with the NIL money involved in it, keeping OU in the mix so that it ups the price tag for USC as far as the NIL goes. But he went ahead and stuck around and played in the Sooners Bowl game in the Alamo Bowl that year when you can risk an injury there. And then that hurts your market value, even in college, as far as these NIL deals go in the transfer portal. And what it showed me is that he loves ball. He loves to play. And so I would not be at all surprised if he goes ahead and throws at the combine. And, you know, he, he seems to enjoy the competitive uh, nature of things, you know. Well, everybody knows that you're going against receivers that you're not familiar with. So even if you throw some balls off target, no one's going to be, well, we're just going to scratch out the last two years of incredible play. It really does not matter. It's not going to hurt you at all. But I do think it does show that you want to impress people. You want to compete with the other quarterbacks there, which can be a positive if you make it. And in fact, even his his positive demeanor as a leader and, and, and amongst his peers, you can tell when that group of quarterbacks walks out on the field, who's the guy that uh, really looks like he's in charge? Yeah, you know, he's high-fiving everybody. Opinion. He's talking to everybody. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, so there's there's... Uh, the body language factor in it can can uh, really enhance him. Not that it's – I mean, he's going to be the number one pick, right? I mean, yep. nobody's going to leapfrog him, right? Correct. Yeah. It's not going to hurt him. I would agree. Okay. Well, that was a nice little preview. I like that.
Hey, thanks, Bill Jones. I'm not sure it was the Cody Winstead combine preview, like you said at the top, but I did my best and uh, hopefully have a good understanding of Caleb going into this uh, big week here. You know, I spent a lot of time in this past week in Arizona at spring training and kind of previewing the Texas Rangers. And this is Pudge Rodriguez, my good friend here. And, you know, the world champions. Hey, we got two world champions here. Although, yeah, Pudge was a world champion with the Miami Marlins. For those of you not watching on YouTube, which you can access through BillJonesSports.com. I'm holding up a Pudge Rodriguez bobblehead, and uh, Cody has his Patrick Mahomes bobblehead, and they are nodding at each other. In fact, I think they're trash-talking each other right now. Probably. And, and by the way, the Rangers will be opening the big league season against the Chicago Cubs. And yes, we've got <laughs> the have Chicago a Cubs bobblehead here as well. They will be matching wits. Yes, that's right. Did you buy that Cubs bobblehead just because just because of that opener? I have no opener? idea. Look how dusty it is. See the I know. it's so cold. dusty. <laughs> you that's... can see the dust come off of it. I just saw it over on the shelf over there in my office here. And so I thought, oh, that'll be good. We can have Pudge make his Jonesing for football debut, as well as Mr. Cubby himself. Well, it's not Ernie Banks, but uh, we know what you mean. Generic, General Cubs, generic family. bobblehead from yesteryear, the Chicago Cubs. There, this is a good episode, Bill Jones. We had a lot of dynamite drop ins Pudge Rodriguez, Patrick Mahomes, Daniel Jeremiah. Wow, and me and you. What a great day. It, I'm getting to go Patrick back up there, and I'm hoping maybe this will be the screensaver that they'll use on YouTube when they post this. They'll, they'll show us with the bobbleheads, and if only we had the Babe Loffenberg bobblehead here, then it would be complete. I wonder if Babe has one of those. We should request one. I'm willing to pay money for it. Yeah, okay. Well, it would be perfect right here on my shelf. Next yeah, to all right. Well, maybe we'll have Babe on the show, and he can show his bobblehead, or Babe can just bobble his own head for us. <laughs> I know Babe's going to be breaking down these quarterbacks for the draft, so we're going to have him on, that's for sure. You know what? Babe is, uh, he says he's on his elliptical right now. His head is probably bobbing up and down as we speak. Short workout for Babe this week, so you're welcome. The next edition of Jonesing for Football will be the Cody Winstead show again. It'll be the post-combine edition of Jonesing for Football. I can't wait for that one. No way. This is the Bill Jones spectacular when he goes from zero pages in the green notebook to a hundred pages in one week. This uh -huh. is Bill Jones's time to shine. I'm just going to ask questions on the next episode. Yeah, zero to 60 in no time. Uh, love get it. Get up to speed on this NFL draft, which is right now two months away. Have a great week of watching these combine participants, and we'll see you again next week on the next edition of Jonesing for football. Call me, babe.